Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. This is Tim Priester. It is Wednesday, September 4th, two days after Notre Dame's 35-17 victory at Cardinal Stadium in Louisville. Notre Dame gets off to a fast start offensively, a very slow start defensively, and then outscores Louisville 28-3 down the rest of the stretch there, 49 minutes allowing just three points over the final 49 minutes. So it ends up being about what the odds maker said it would be, an 18-point game. Notre Dame wins by 18. A little bit sloppy at times, but ultimately Notre Dame comes through when they have to to get the victory. We talked a lot about in August what could Notre Dame do against Louisville to change your mind going to the Georgia game. They didn't change my mind positively. They probably shouldn't change my mind negatively, but we will get to one reason why we think we all wrote columns about a major surprise from the Louisville game that none of us talked about was that Ian Book wasn't great. Well, we did mention that he we thought he started slowly in camp, but we didn't anticipate he had picked up the pace, yeah, so we yeah. didn't anticipate he would have that kind of slow start. I think mentally, I mean, mentally he had a slow start to the season. But we saw instances last year where he struggled in the first half. He kind of gets upset with himself at halftime, comes out and plays really good football. He was much better in the second half. He was 7 of... 11 for 160 yards or 130 yards, whereas he only threw for 63 in the first half. Yeah, I think that you have to factor in, I guess, a little bit that he had a high volume of throwaways um, where there was just he didn't see anything or there wasn't anything to see or he just didn't like the look of it. Um, you know, people talk about accuracy all the time. That that really shouldn't be part of how you measure accuracy. Um, it's It's a different... <clears throat> issue um you know what it's guys not getting open or you not seeing where plays were developing um but there were some there were some odd decisions i mean the the pass to fink on fourth down just is like that's something he could make in his sleep it's what you said he made it in his sleep during camp when he threw an 18 yard throw to fink like that yeah the ball was absolutely perfect on and out yeah there was uh he kind of really made lord's keys work on a third down conversion claypool bailed him out with a Reach back, stab. Yeah, I mean Claypool. At least you can do that with. I mean, but not behind on the slant because that's um, supposed to be another twenty-five. But he did not throw a pass intended for a receiver more than twenty yards downfield the entire game, which is really bizarre to me. I think the ESPN crew brought up a good point. I mentioned this in tail of the tape. It's frustrating when you see him give up on a play where he's backpedaling, and you know he's going to throw it away and it's incomplete. But it takes longer for it to evolve. Because he's still backpedaling and he throws away. So it's like your anticipation of a play that's just, he's done. He's done with that play. The, the point the announcers made was the next step is you've got to create a pass out of a negative situation. He will either throw it away or run. Mm-hmm. How often does he step up, scramble, buy himself some time, and then make a throw to somebody? It's usually one of the other two options. Well, there certainly were some instances where he could have just stepped up the pocket and thrown. Um, you know, it was, it was sort of like my first reads on open run. Um, it was almost kind of Wimbush esque in that way. And that is something that he should have evolved out of by now. I think that he probably has evolved out of it. Um, and was just skittish for some reason on, on Monday night. I, I'm not sure I really have a great explanation for it, but, uh, I mean, the Herb Street mailed this live and it was apparent to anybody who watched the film. There's a, a play where he stares down Claypool while no one is covering Brock Right, or Lawrence, or Lawrence Keys. Keys yeah. um, Jameer Smith doesn't do a great job on the pickup, but he didn't have to because 
he could have thrown an underhand pass to Brock Wright for a twenty-yard gain. He was he was that uncovered. Did, I didn't. I, we talked about it during the game. We I look. There's he's just not looking to that side. And, yeah, and, and, I mean, I when I watched that on on tape I, or on film, I guess I, I looked at it a little bit differently. But I thought the worst decision he made in terms of abandoning the, abandoning the pocket was the series is early in the game. He threw the pass that was tipped, and then him and uh, Claypool miscommunicated to some degree. So now it's third and ten. Louisville rushes three guys, and he literally goes 1,001,002 and runs when he didn't have to. He wasn't under duress. He gains eight yards, and they have to punt. I just don't understand. And it, you know, it is just his tenth start. Now, somebody on our message board said, well, he's had ten starts. He should know by now. I don't. I think it's a little bit more complicated than that. In today's game, with the coverages, the different defenses, Brian Kelly said that they didn't expect as much cover two, and they got it. But I mean, that, you that still, fell right. on my deaf ears but, when I heard that. Right, yes. but you, you, I mean, ten starts isn't a lot, but it's enough. Look, he's been in a, in huge environments. Right, Se- Monday night was not a huge environment. His last three were huge environments. Right, by comparison. exactly. But it is first game of the year. I mean, I can keep saying button going back and forth. I can see both sides, but it was a performance and a mental reaction to a game that probably shouldn't be happening at this stage. I, I disagree with what you're saying about that that play because it's it's drop eight. They're not expecting a lot of drop eight. You say rush three, but the issue for a quarterback is the eight guys in coverage. Not the, I no, I realize and, that, and but that, why abandon the pocket? I don't think he saw it correctly. I mean, I don't think that they he also was bad. you know drop eight is something that like you're like oh. Ah, you know, that that gums you up mentally. I sure think. It does. Um, and he got better as the game went on with that. But uh, I think it was just one of the, that. Just is part of that part of the first game jitters. I actually would be like, all right, I can understand the first time you saw drop eight, you didn't process it right. Um, the the cover two stuff is just like they were playing defense. I mean that that's as basic as it gets. Well, and they, and they took advantage of the cover right. two yeah. with with Tremble a little bit later, right? There's but, plays there. It's not. Yeah, Manti in the middle of look, the cover, let's too. Let's just, look, I mean, we can belabor the point forever, and we're obviously going to take questions in segment two about this, and so we'll belabor it a little bit longer here. But, um, you know, it, it it was a performance that probably shouldn't happen. It did. Let's see where he picks up the pieces and how he plays 12 days later. I expect him to bounce back and be much sharper against New Mexico, and then you really go, go into the cauldron the following week when you have to go to Georgia. The issue I, I have is not that Book won't be better than he was in the opener. It's that Book has to be great. Book has to be the best, one of the best players on the field against Georgia for that game to be close. Well, that's going to be really difficult. But don't you agree? I, and, I, and to I be mean, fair I, to Book, do. he doesn't have... And don't, I keep reading about Boykin and Dexter Williams. They were never going to be here. They didn't pass <laughs> away, okay? This is ridiculous. <laughs> Cole Komet and Michael Young hurt. Jafar <laughs> Armstrong, I guarantee you when we talked about this, Pete was a major part of this game plan, both in the passing game and running the ball. It was the first series. And he was out, too. So you are missing your third, fourth, and fifth, or second, fourth, and fifth best options. His second touch of Three the of season. your top five. Yeah. yeah, three of your top five, no matter how you want to yeah, slice no it. No doubt. No doubt. So, um, I mean, we move on from there. Defensively, uh, I mean, I, I, I totally understand not being able to catch up to the speed of Satterfield's offense the first couple series. We weren't you can't everyone. simulate that. One was coming. One drive, you're going to look and look at Notre Dame and be like, oh, I have no idea what's going on. But one, there were two instead of one is how you got to look at it post game. Yeah, and you have more young guys yeah. running around out there than than you have than you have offensively certainly. 
Um, and the speed of what they were doing, it took a little while. But it, but again, the last 49 minutes, I mean, they were really, really good. Give Clark Lee and Brian Kelly a credit for adjusting. They, Brian Kelly simple narrowed it down to just how they dealt with Jawan Ju- Pass. <laughs> right. I, he, he was. I'm sure there was more to it oh. than that in Clark Lee's uh, overall plan at that point. But they did what they had to do. And offensively, you know, I said this. Maybe I'm making an excuse for Chip Long. I don't know why I would do that. But <laughs> I, I think there's a bigger picture to just keep running the football because I think that he's preparing to try to win every game offensively, not just beat Louisville. Now, they were... They were stressed a little bit, and it looked, you know, it's 14-7. to 7. Okay, you got to do what you have to do, just run the football. But I think Chip Long has a bigger picture view of things, and he wants to get the passing game going because in in two games, he's absolutely going to have to rely upon that. If he wanted to get the passing game going, wouldn't he have thrown one ball down the field? Like one shot? Well, I think a couple throwaways there were probably taking those shots, and Book didn't. Take the shot, right? Because Claypool's far downfield on the ball and the throws out of bounds. The famous yeah, when, one, he was when, far downfield. When field. Book starts backpedaling so so quickly, when he starts, when he just starts backpedaling, I'm not talking running side to side. When he starts backpedaling, the the play is over. He's given up on the play and he's going to yeah. throw it away. And and again, I do think I think I don't know if it was her. I think it was Herb Street. It may have actually been Fowler that said, you know. Create something off the scramble. Move up into the pocket. Move sideways into the pocket. Yeah, you're not threatening the defense a, the way you're scrambling. Right. You're not. He's not creating any opportunities to throw the football when he does have to move with and without or outside the pocket. Which is really a, a, a strength of his. I think we'd all agree that mobility behind the line of sure. image is a strength of his. But outside the pocket, he was one of four for 34 yards, which was, I think, Claypool's last Catch and reception where he cut it back to the right. Um there just didn't seem to be like there was a whole lot of good stuff happening there. I don't know if any of that is some of the inexperience at receiver. Like, once the play breaks down, they don't have sort of the, the scrambled rules drilled down. I, I'm not really sure how to explain that. Because, I mean, Claypool and Fink should know exactly what to do. Another oddity, especially the first half, and this is Book's absolute strength, and I wrote about it in the column, the quick game of Ian Book just wasn't part of it. Ian Book is that was a strange part of the game. Absolute machine. In a quick game, throwing the ball, it is the only time we have yeah. joked an extension of the running game. Yeah, when well, Ian Book can do that, and yeah, they weren't and, running it. And Chris Fink is, uh, you know, often the uh, the receiver in those situations, and he didn't he didn't differentiate himself in this game either. So, and it's all that's all interconnected. I get that, but yeah, uh, <laughs> the QB and the receiver are very yeah. Look, in this, no, but in this case, really connect. I mean, if you're not going to have that as part of Book's game, you've taken away his best his best. The best thing he does is accurate short passes quickly, moving the offense fast. The second best thing he does is use his legs to compliment himself. He was 0% on one. They didn't have a quick game. And he was kind of, I mean, he made some plays running the ball, obviously. Yeah. We, can't, we can't take that away from him. But he didn't, as we said, he didn't stress the defense continuously. Yeah. Strong performances. Chase Claypool. Um, I thought I thought Hainsey and, and, and Kramer working in tandem yeah. on the move were very good. Obviously, Tommy Tremble. I mean, there there were some blocking issues that you saw along the way, but Tommy Tremble That's as a receiver yeah. has such physical maturity out there. He, he, I mean, he takes people on. His first catch was the touchdown. He nonchalantly it was a perfect throw by Book, but he just nonchalantly grabbed the ball. Didn't you know? I mean, he barely even looked it into his hands because he wanted to turn around and score, and he did. 
all three of his receptions accounted for first downs, including the one on the mm -hmm. touchdown. Uh, very impressed uh, with what he did. Tony Jones Jr. looked very good. Probably won't have the type of running room that he had uh, against Louisville. He will with some other teams. Usu Koromoa ran himself out of some plays, but obviously played very well. Drew White was the best inside linebacker on the field for Notre Dame. Uh, Kyle Hamilton is going to be a freak. He did some freakish things in this game alone. And Sean Crawford. <laughs> Remember when we first saw the suggestion that don't even bring him back for a fifth year because he's Worst had the injury? suggestion of the year. I mean, I get it. I, I mean, I get the knee-jerk I don't, I don't well, I mean, it. I get the fans' okay. knee-jerk reaction There's to that. 20 players three. you can cut first. I know. Okay. <laughs> There's open scholarships. Yeah. yeah. There's open scholarships, right, right. too. Right. Well, while the whole uh, Nordic nation is fretting about scholarships, hey, it worked out again. How about that? They're not even giving away their last one. Yeah. Right. Uh, Gil Gilman, you know, I thought was was very good as well for the most part. Gilman was not as impressive on tape as he was in person. He well, he missed the run fit on the forty four yeah. yard run. He slipped. Yeah, I thought Gilman's first but, two drives were not Gilman's rest of the game though. I thought he yeah, played yeah. a better game the rest of the it, way. It, uh, I thought both guards were good. I thought Kramer and Banks played very physically was, and moved very Banks, well. Banks too. was impenetrable against that defensive front. Eichenberg, I need to look at a little bit further. Who's fine, I thought. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think that there was anything necessarily glaring. We should bring this up since we've been tooting his horn for since the spring. Who's that? Patterson was not great in his first start. Uh, he had some issues. I thought he half. had some misses. I also I love the way he. You guys are going to love this. Yeah, we are because we already like the guy. But no, you're I just love thought it. I thought to call it I, like I saw he, it. But. He's not. He's not a real physical player right now. He's a technician. He's a he's a guy that that gets position on people, which reminds me of Mike Golick because that's how Mike Golick existed. That's how he started on a national yeah. championship contending team because but as he a was fifth year a, senior, senior instead of right, right, senior right. Senior yeah, yeah, no, right, it took right. him. It took him that long and some breaks to be in that situation. But I look at Patterson as a position like. Gains position. It's almost like he coerces defensive linemen to go ahead and come here because I'm going to seal you off because I know where the play's going. I have at least four notes from spring and August where I said Patterson beats Heinish by letting Heinish penetrate and sealing him away. Exactly. However, there was a third and one where Jameer Smith got blown up where he was attempting that move and Louisville's name, excuse me, the really quick nose guard just ran around him and yeah. blew up the entire play. And I think. Heinish, you could probably do that to a little bit easier than some of the quick guys. Of course, you're also not going to run into nose guards that all move as undersized quick nose no, guards. Or, or you're probably not going to run into a eight-man box yep. with six guys trying to block it. Well, that's that's a question we have coming up on the third and short. One other guy that I thought was caught my eye on film, but I didn't notice really at all during the game was Jason Adamiola. I thought he. Oh, he, I thought he did some good stuff. That was something we saw caught Live, during yeah. the game. But oh, yeah. smart guys over we, here. I'm telling Jesus, you, man. No, we, just, we just have to be looking <laughs> yeah. there when it happened. Osmosis uh, sometimes. Yeah, too, yeah. No. no, we actually see it all yes. in yeah. one play. No, we happen to be looking in that direction when yeah. we saw it. But I mean, didn't he do that all last year? You're, you're busy watching. Kyle mm, Hamilton. Well, I thought he was. He was good as a pass rusher last year, but I thought there were some like physical getting off blocks types of things that he did that, then, that maybe then I that's, didn't. Then there, that's there, progress. There was I, a physical element that maybe I didn't notice. Tiger Veloa his best game in a Nordic uniform by far. I realize there haven't been too many uh, extended right. periods of play. I, I thought he was good. Although the the notion that this is like the best Notre Dame defensive line, I don't know who's perpetuating this. Who said it, that? I hear this like on radio shows. That's what 
I don't know. It's not. It's not as good as last year. Well, you it's can say, you can say defensive like, ends, of yeah, course. Sure. But yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 defensive line. But there were just there the drop from MTA from Tillery last year was huge. No, there's no. There's no. He's not going to get the attention no. that Tillery did, no. which is which is going to make it more difficult for your defensive ends I and your inside like linebackers. In a lot of ways, right, like yeah. Notre Dame has two defensive ends and two nose tackles. Like I think MTA is closer to an. Is, Closer to Heinish than he is to Tillery. I hear what you, I hear well, what you're saying, yeah, but I but. I hear what you're saying, but I thought he showed some I, some. some mobility, some ability. He he made a play near the sideline that showed um, some mobility. His best performance. I'm not saying he's arrived. Yes, but he but he. I mean, he looks fully beyond his his injury from last year and looked looked mobile. But they, I mean, there's still I'm you stuck know, on Heinish the defensive a, line being better. What? Well, that's, yeah, no. That's, I know. I don't understand why people mention this. That's just not right. Kurt Heinrich is a, <laughs> that's, that's a good. That's a good assessment. Kurt Heinrich is a, here's here's the issue with Kurt Heinrich. He's a backup nose tackle. Totally agree with you. And and a good one. And good a, backup and, nose tackle. And a, and a really good one. And I thought he made progress. You know, he clearly made progress last year as a guy that could penetrate a little bit. But he doesn't have the size, the dimensions to, to leverage people. And I'm still waiting for the Jacob Lacey play. He did. He, he knocked got down. Got off the ground. He, pardon me. Got off the ground. Vertical jump. Uh, he, yeah. Okay. He, I, he actually, I hadn't. I didn't. I was already on the field when that happened, and oh. I didn't see him do it. I didn't see it till late last night. I want to be fair to Jacob Lacey too. He would be a really good third string rotational nose tackle, defensive tackle. That's, except he has to be the second string guy that goes in because no. Heinish is the first string no, guy. No like, doubt about it. I'm you not put Lacey saying. behind. Bonner and Heinish <laughs> last year, he is making plays no doubt. that Treadway couldn't when, come when, close to making. When Mike Elston says the kind of things that he said about Jacob yeah. Lacey, I'm going to trust him 110% of the time and me minus 10% of the time in making that judgment. But I you still it. would benefit from still another. Still would like to see it. And you don't need Jerry Tiller to be better than Heinish. You need a guy better than Heinish. A guy better than Heinish that allows Heinish to compliment him. Yeah. And Lacey well, to just compliment need two him. Yeah, that's that'd be fair too. Right. That'd be fair too. Because that's what that's basically what they had at that position last Bonner, year. Bonner was, I mean, by far the most underrated player on that defense last year. We've said it before. <laughs> he was the, he played great against Clemson of all teams. He'll never be remembered for it. He was heady. He had a he and Ade had a great game against he those guys. Played with heavy hands, yeah. heavy hands. All right, segment two, burning up the boards coming up. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Burning up the boards, segment two, brought to you by Rent Like a Champion, South Bend's largest vacation rental company with a thousand weekend home rentals close to Notre Dame Stadium, available for Fighting Irish Game Days. Irish Illustrator readers and listeners can get $100 off their booking with the promo code IRISH2019. We start with a question from Vic Irish One. Considering the next opponent is New Mexico, is there anything that Notre Dame can show you? That makes you think they are a playoff contender. I want to shoot down this line of questioning um, only because it it really ignores last season of how many times did Notre Dame look like a playoff team in 12 games? Seven times. Wake, Michigan, Navy, Florida State, Syracuse, Virginia Tech, Stanford. 
They did not look like a playoff team against Vanderbilt, Ball State, Northwestern, Pittsburgh, or USC. So whatever they do against New Mexico, could we learn something about them? Yeah, it might not be something good. But let's say they hold New Mexico to 42 yards rushing on 33 carries. Like, that would be a step in the right direction. But I, I just, the whole, like, are, no, do they look like a playoff contender, I think, ignores the fact that last year they made the playoff but did not always look like a playoff contender. <laughs> so I, I think just, you know, people need I, to po- adjust expectations. Point taken, that, Pete Sampson. Yeah, point taken. You. Ian Book be great. This still not playoff contender for New yeah. Mexico, but Ian Book be great. And maybe uh, Jack Lamb, 30 snaps at Buck. And Cole Komet in uniform. That'd be helpful. And, and well, and yeah, Jafar and, Armstrong and I, think I was just going to say, and, and Jafar Armstrong, yeah. which I'm, we haven't heard definitively on that. He was supposed to have have an MRI yesterday or today, Wednesday. We don't know the result of that. I'm, I don't know that anybody's confident when Brian Kelly says groin slash abdominal injury that he's going to be ready in 12 days. I, I, I wouldn't anticipate that. And he's a guy that gives him a little bit more. A little bit more flash at the at, at the running back position. I want to, him to be ready to just be in uniform and warm up and don't play. Right. He gives him a lot bit more. Yeah, right? a, lot, a lot bit I more. Mean, yeah. When they showed the starters on the graphic on ABC, it was Jafar Armstrong, not Tony Jones. I think that sort of told you where the coaching staff thought that was going to go on Monday night. Yeah, and I and I let me let me just throw this in there. I don't think we have a question about it. I mean, why they why didn't they just keep running? Herb Street and Fowler kept saying keep running. Um, they were already down Jafar Armstrong. Tony Jones is not a guy that they have confidence that can carry 22, 25 games. So Chip Long was looking at the the prospect of having to, you know, go deeper with, with Tony Jones and then a bunch of young guys behind him that hadn't played. So, you know, when you're down, I mean, I get it. You need to try to win the football game first and foremost. Um but you have to establish the passing game as well, and they were already down one of their top two running backs, if not the top running back. Remember your Heinrich point? That's Tony Jones. Uh, I, I I would agree with that. Although he, he pl- although he played better against Louisville. Oh yeah, he than, had a really good game. Then we're ever going to see Kurt Heinrich play in a game? Per he se. did. He had a really Tony Jones. We're not complaining about his game. I'm just saying over the course of 12 games and better defenses, he needs Jafar no, Armstrong desperately. I agree. And the passing component to the running backs has to be a part of what this offense is. Yeah. And it and it, really, it wasn't the other night. I see gold. Curious about what you saw from the press box regarding books scrambling. One, were the receivers not getting open? Two, was the offensive line pass protection breaking down? Three, did Book have happy feet and not be patient enough to stay in there and go through his reads? Or four, did he simply take advantage of the quick yardage with his it, feet? It's, it's not number two, the O-line pass protection breaking down. It wasn't perfect. But it's not but it, what he he wasn't scrambling because of, of that one. Uh, receivers not getting open. There were some times receivers weren't. There's a few of those, especially the plays where well the fourth and four is a great example. I don't know what that was all designed for Fink to get open, beat his man, which I guess he did. And oh, just he had clearly yeah. beat him. But that was it. I mean, every other route was a decoy route crossing to get Fink yeah. open. It's Chris one of those Fink, things. Chris Fink's where, not the type to. You know, dive for a ball unless he has to. No, and book short arm the throw. Like they actually yeah. showed it. It was a real. Yeah. Herbstreit called him out on it. Yeah, at live, he looked like he just it was like uh, when he was throwing the ball. Full That's not yeah. off. Yeah. Just, Did book weird. have happy feet and wasn't patient enough to stay in there and go through the reads, wait for the routes to work? 
Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Number three is I would put first. I would put list. that first, and then you know simply taking quick yardage with his feet when it was there. That you know that's part of his game too, and that's okay. It's just that you just the whole thing. You know the whole setup of the game was okay. Ian Book has worked on pocket presence right. during the offseason. He can work on the nuances because he was a starter, and now he can kind of move on to the nuances. He did not improve his pocket presence in game one. And we're definitely grading on a curve, and we expected Book to be much better. We expected Book, at least one of his two perceived weaknesses from last year, to be better pocket presence. You don't know if he's going to improve his deep passing game or not. But it's also the who they were playing. Louisville, you expect a lot more out of Book. Take yourself back to the USC game, where they, we just mentioned they didn't play like playoff contenders. Every time Book scrambled and got something, you just thought, great idea, way to get the first down. Just score a touchdown. Just try to win this game. You're looking at the Louisville game and thinking, why they should just run down this field and score on them every time. And I think it does cloud a little bit of your perception of things. Every time Book ran, I thought, gosh, there's nothing else there. Every time he ran against USC, I thought, oh, that was a huge play. Yeah. Does that make no, sense? I mean, no, it's, 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 the first play of the game was not a quarterback design run. It was like, all the defenders are running away from me, and they're just wide open. Well, and if he saw the inside linebacker with his back turned to the line of scrimmage, right. then, then it was a good repeat. Your perspective on where the receiver's not getting open. Oh, they were fine. I mean, Notre <laughs> Dame is, is not blessed with three Will Fullers out there. Um, you know, but Chase Claypool is open when he's covered. Chris Fink can, was open on that fourth down, not by a ton, but he was open enough to get enough a first down. Enough to catch down. the ball in stride yeah, and have and a shot just, to get a first down. Sneak around Tony Jones to get a first down. You know, Keys was was open, um, and he got a couple targets, caught both of them. I, I don't know. I, I, I thought receivers not getting open wasn't really the biggest issue. There. I think the biggest issue is the happy feet, if that's the word we're going to use. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Melham asks, Samson always talks about how game one is a great predictor of the season. So, with that being said, what's well, the sorry season? About that, guys. <laughs> what's the season look like? Um, let's answer that first. I, I, it was, I, a, it was a very eight and four no, predictor of the year. I would I would like to think that that there's some crazy coincidence involved with that. I mean, why would why would why would game one? Well, it goes against what other co- what coaches say that you improve more from game one to game two and three. But coaches no, just say that they do. But you know, Notre Dame actually <laughs> this this won't apply because they have a bye week. Notre Dame's worst game is always game two. I went through this over the years. It's They're saying close. the buy is coming the, at a good time. It is coming at a good time. Thing the buy, always say. We, well, the buy coming at a good time takes away the reporter's question of, is the buy coming at a good time? Yeah. BK actually said that yeah. Yeah. on Sunday. I thought he was going to say, ooh, uh, it's does But then he was like, yep, yeah, buy comes at a good time. His point was it doesn't it doesn't apply yeah. in this situation. The oddest thing BK said was post-game when he said, well, you know, this is a game where we just really couldn't prepare. They're obviously going to bring new stuff, and then he catches himself. Of course, we play seven teams coming off a of bye, so I guess that's going to be the yeah, case yeah. the entire year. Well, but. and I mean, at least from this standpoint, when you consider that Brian Brown followed Brian Van Gorder, you can understand why there would be a little bit of a, a little bit of mystery. It seemed like uh, there were fourteen defenders out there. <laughs> but this predictor in game one, it has been the case. Um, You'd like to think that this team, considering they're debuting new interior defenders, playing a team that was all about misdirection and not knowing what they're going to bring necessarily, that the defense would just naturally be more sound as they were the rest of the game. And I would think Ian Book will not have games like this all year long. I wouldn't think so. And maybe George. I mean, if Georgia just covers all the receivers, they might not be receivers open against Georgia. So when Book brings it down, he brings it down, but it's not his fault in that case. Second part of the question. Also, we know past quarterbacks have been worse in year two under Brian Kelly. 
Can we, I, I want to, I would like to address this once and for all because it's asked over and over and over again. After book shaky performance, are we looking at history repeating itself? I, I guess I've never really bought into this narrative, but I think, Tim, you have more uh, form, form thoughts than well, I do. Because you've heard me say, yeah. like so many other things over and over again, I, I, I don't think it applies. I, I don't think it applies anymore. Chip Long is here. I mean, I guess you can start blaming Chip Long now if if, if Ian Book doesn't progress here in year two. Chip Long was there for Brandon Wimbush in second year. Okay, there well there go. you go. Then the precedent's <laughs> already set. But I don't think I don't think Brian Kelly at this stage has any bearing on the second year of the quarterback because his approach with the quarterback is very different than it was in the early portion of his time in Notre Dame. So, I mean, I you know I look at I look at I keep wanting to say Saturday. I look at Monday's performance. That's on book. Yes, that that's on book. Now they, let's, they believe it's on book too. The coaching staff. Yes, yes, they do. How could you not? I mean, he is better than that. I want. There, there's one important thing I want to stress about why I was concerned after the game about Ian Book. Louisville stinks. They're not good. It doesn't matter that they're going to be good in three years. I am by might disagree with that. I, I completely now, think other I'm than these next two games, I dis- I disagree no with Bird Street they saying they're going to. Ma- I guess it were, this is a level of stink. Throw away the next two games okay. against... Herb Street said they'll, they'll go to a bowl game. No, I don't believe they'll go to a bowl well, game. Well, the, six six. the two next games are Eastern, yeah, Washington, and whoever. Yeah. I mean, they have Eastern Kentucky and Western Kentucky, Kentucky. So, so they're two. going to be two. I think it's going to be hard for them to get four ACC wins. Uh, I you know, too. I mean, you're... you're I, this, I, is on, I think, this is I, on film right now. Yeah, I think they're... Wait, wait, I have... Is there a schedule on this flip chart? It is. They have. They're at Florida State, hmm. which I know Florida State obviously can lose at home. Uh, they just did. Uh, Boston College at Wake Forest. Boston College is going to run for three hundred and fifty yeah, yards. Yeah, yeah. At Wake Forest, I think, which is tough for them. Clemson, Virginia, at Miami, at NC State, Syracuse, at Kentucky. Where are the four victories beyond Eastern Kentucky and Western Kentucky? I think if you're Louisville, best case, you're you're sort of the same as Virginia Tech, the same as Boston College. They, you know, I, Virginia, I said Virginia. Virginia yeah, I said Virginia. I didn't say Virginia. They don't play Virginia Tech. They play Virginia. Oh, okay. Well, then that's much harder. <laughs> Be, yeah, Virginia. The way Virginia Tech started against Boston College, you'd say. I. I mean, whatever. We don't need to spend any more time on Louisville. But I just that's I why I want a book to be better because I don't think Louisville is any good. Yeah. That's my point. All right, let, let's stop talking about them, and you read that question, Tim. At C. Bogan, nineteen eighty nine. Thoughts of the linebackers: Drew White and Usu Koromoa seem to have done well for their first starts. Bilal looked out of position at times and never really made an impact. Are there better options at Buck? I agree with uh, C. Hogan's take. Are there better options at Buck? I, I guess I would hope so, but I'm not sure that that's actually the case. Yeah, that's the best way of summing it up. Otherwise, I think the Buck might have played more already. They would have tried it, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, and and for some reason I couldn't <laughs> technologically I couldn't ask a question of Brian Kelly yesterday, and I wanted to follow. I know Pete, you asked about linebackers. I wanted to follow up. Is, was there a was there one of the linebackers that coming out of this game you say okay we got to get him on the field a little bit more? I wanted to ask that question because I kind of anticipated that he would say well, I didn't really I don't really care how he answers it, but I anticipated that he might say Jack Lamb in that situation. Maybe. I mean, I, Simon, I'm not sure, really did anything that distinguished himself where I thought, where I would say, like, you need to start Simon over Bilal. Um, 
problem is Jen Markeith the same, though, unfortunately. Jen Markeith was probably even more anonymous than Simon. Man, he's anonymous. Here's how I look at it with the, the guys that could play instead of Bilal. They can look good in a couple of snaps. Like Simon had a nice pass rush and blitz. I thought he filled the right gap when Hamilton had that huge hole to fill and missed the tackle. When you put Simon out there for Bilal's 45 snaps, what's it going to look like? Are we all going to be saying that Shane Simon doesn't know what he's doing, too? What if Bo Bauer's out there for 37 snaps and they're not running right up the middle? So more is less less. with with an inexperienced player. Uh, You know, I look at Asmar Bilal, I call it getting lost in the weeds. He gets caught up in in, in just bodies. And it's it's not so much missed tackles, it's not even being around the tackle. I don't think that he, in much the same way that Brandon Wimbush didn't know what he was seeing when he was looking at coverages, I think Asmar Bilal with all of that moving, and this was the thing, I don't know if I mentioned this the other day, Drew Tranquil said when he moved inside, you have to learn what's important to you and what isn't. You can't, get, you can't let your eyes get caught up in all the stuff that doesn't apply to you. And I think just in general, Notre Dame's defense had a lot of, Owusu Koromoa, for example, I think was trying at times to play three positions as opposed to just one and was running himself out of some plays. But Owusu Koromoa is going to be good. Yeah. And he's a physical presence on the field at the line for the linebacker court. I, I was just say White and Owusu Koromoa, when they hit you, you go backwards. Yes. The other, all other linebackers, I'm not sure that applies to. Can Bilal get better inside? With New Mexico and Georgia, beat New Mexico, lose to Georgia. Can Bilal be a the buck you want for the rest of the year to defeat Bryce Perkins of Virginia, USC, Michigan, Virginia Tech? Because that's what it comes down to. As we like, sit here right now, my answer to that question is no, and I, and it's probably the same for you guys. Yeah, I think just based on the fact that he's a fifth-year senior, I don't know why suddenly after practice 712, be like, ah, it all clicked together. I just don't – when – Will the change be made then? I mean, can you can you get away with playing Bilal four series, Lamb four series, and Simon three series? Well, that, I think, I think that's, the, that's the issue to this question is just I'm not sure they have an alternative. I don't think Brian Kelly gives away the fact they don't think they have an alternative because he mentioned Asmar Bilal being a guy they were going forward with, didn't he? He, he yes. pretty much he yeah, elevated he, well, him he, over the he, others. Yeah, he said White like and, Bilal. and Bilal have distinguished themselves. I don't know if he used that word, but – have distinct, distinguished themselves as the two best, and that's that's a little scary. At Griff Dolezal, there were times when Notre Dame was playing three safeties with Alohi Gilman free to either roam up to the line of scrimmage or fall back. Do you see this continuing, and what percentage of plays do you expect Kyle Hamilton to be in the game moving forward? I think if you, if you said, hey, what is Notre Dame's best personnel at the back? And I'm saying back seven. Back seven. Yeah. I would somehow create a lineup with White and Wusukormo as the Mike and the Buck. And then I would have Crawford and Pride, and I would have those three safeties out there with Bala, or um, Gilman sort of spinning down into the box. It's kind of late to just come up with a new thing to do. I'm um, 100% on your side, though. <laughs> I, you. I, I, I well, mean, Georgia will engulf Alohi Gilman if you try this on third and six. They will literally render him a useless box safety because he cannot contend with that size. So I don't know what they're going to do there. But if you could find a way to involve those guys on third and six, I, they're going to be in on third and eight and third and nine. We know that. They're going to come in the nickel. No, nine. I'm saying I like this lineup on first and ten. Yeah, well, that can't work against George. Well, sure. Yeah. They don't have a lineup. Yeah, remember I turned to you at one point. I am still searching for that lineup. Remember I turned yeah. to you at one point and I said, they need to move Gilman to linebacker. No, I, you know, I you're, 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 you're absolutely yeah. right. They, they'll, he'll be in golf. 
Well, how about moving Hamilton up to that spot? Can he tackle enough? You know, that's uh, the... Oh, like Rover. I mean, you're saying a roverish position. Well, I'm saying that we're, we're talking yeah. about, you know, moving the scenario that we're talking about and moving Gilman up into the box. I, I mean, can he tackle well enough? He's, he's got the frame and the size. I mean, you might as well move Bo Bauer in and bring in. Yeah, we're, to, to we're him. talking I mean, There's we're just talk, so many packages like you need to figure out. out. This is like a message board. It is no, a message it, board. We're like three no, message board posters it, it, here. Give it up on Bilal right yeah, now, apparently. It, well, it, it, it's a, I'm it sorry. Is. It's a very amateurish. Yeah. Conversation that we have going here right now, but it's just, but that, I mean that's kind of the desperation a little bit that we're talking. Can about. you use him them more than obvious passing is what is the way of looking at it if you're Notre Dame, right? Are you I, talking about Hamilton? I'm talking about those five guys with Usu Cormo and White. Yeah, I think there's sort of a, a medium between where because when they go to th- their third down package is is it's very dimey. Um, and in the past, it was just more of a, a two linebacker, right. five DBs. Because they had two um, really good linebackers. Yeah, well, I mean, Brian Kelly has said that Owusu Kormoa is somebody you don't need to take off the field in passing situations, and then they took him off the field in passing situations. So maybe maybe there's a middle ground there that they can strike. Atwell at was a tough cover in the slot for Owusu Kormoa. He's a 4-2 guy. He could play That's, at Notre Dame, no problem. He could play at Georgia, too. Yeah, Despite he's being 153 yeah. pounds. Let's skip the second part of Hamilton because we have a question later. Any Davis, too. What advantage does Nordane feel they have with Bilal on the field over any of the other combination of linebackers? I, I just want to bigger, throw that in. Right? It's just a bigger body. Yeah, and theoretically, I mean... A, a, I think a, a contact good, player, he'd be stronger than other guys, yeah, too. I mean, a, a, a good going. athlete, but I mean, there was that fumble that... One of the fumbles that uh, Louisville recovered, he just looks so stiff going after it. I, for a guy that you're saying, okay, this is a really good athlete... I don't know. Maybe he, got, maybe he got caught in a bad body position and couldn't react to it and fall on the ground. But it just, um, you know, so, yeah, I think size is and, – and you'd like – I mean, some some starting experience. That's why he's on the field, I would imagine. The frustrating thing was everybody talked about how Bilal probably wasn't the answer at Buck, all fans. And we all didn't have a reason to say that he was, but we are trusting the coaches. And then everything you thought could go wrong with not knowing where to go on those first two drives, Bilal was involved in it. Is that fair? That's fair. Like he, not that he didn't play better afterwards, but you're just looking. You're like, that's the guy that has to know where to go. Yeah. K. Beasley, was the ineffectiveness on converting third and short a result of poor OL push, play calling, or lack of running back ability? Or, um, or, there's... or our decision from the quarterback to give it when he should have thrown it, uh, which is what happened on the Jameer Smith third and one stuff. Um, you know, I think it's it was McKinley. I thought it was Claypool, but. No matter way. You, Alan, he was wide open. I mean, it could have been me or you. We had two um, blockers in front of him with I one could, defender. I could have thrown it to you and we would have converted <laughs> yeah, the play. Yeah, because the two receivers d- destroyed the Louisville yeah. corner to the ground. Um, but, I mean, on the first one, Louisville had more guys at the line of scrimmage than Notre Dame could block. You know, that's that's either um, – that was the Tony Jones. I think it was third mm-hmm. and two when he got stuff for no game. Um, that's a, either you need to get out of that play – or run something else. And that's book strength is getting out of the play and hitting a quick yeah. pass. I mean, but that's also, when Brian Kelly puts some onus on the coaching staff, that's that's an example of the coaching staff has to come up with something better than that there. But, you know, also Louisville has scholarship players and a good defensive coordinator, so sometimes you're going to get stopped. Well, that that's why, I mean, they won, they won 57 games in the previous six years. They didn't suddenly just lose all this talent. Now, they were imbalanced by position. Uh, but look, the point spread was 18, and it ended up 18. Yeah. 
I think the problem is people remember a lot of the second quarter where this all happened in a row. Third and two, loss of two Jones. Fourth and four, pass to Fink. Third and seven, book phantom pressure. Third and goal stuff. You know, and that doesn't even include right after that Jameer Smith's play where they Jameer Smith gets stuffed and they're not thrown over there. It's That was on second down. And on third down, they don't get it. There's right. When you get stuffed on second down and four, it feels like you got stuffed on third and two, you know, because then they're, they're still behind the chains. And the second quarter offensive woes were just weird. They looked so good offensively, and then they totally stalled. And they scored only because of the fumble fest. That was why they scored it in the half. It was the fumble fest. They would look great, and then they looked bad. And so play calling is blamed for that. No, I, I don't think the fumble fest is involved in play No, calling. I'm yeah. saying that they stalled, and so... I mean, I'm saying that that's the accusation, that play calling was the reason for that. I think the answer is what Brian Kelly says. It's never one thing when we always ask him about it. We'll ask him about something. Yeah, he's right. It's never one thing. I don't think OL push was a major problem in this game, though. I think that, as Pete said, if they have eight and you have six, that OL's not getting a good push. uh, Right. There was nothing we could do on that first. Um, That would be last on the list, I would say. Not having Jafar Armstrong hurts. It certainly does. Tony Jones and, needs and a hole. He needs yeah. a hole. I mean, they're they're going to have. I I think, you know, Sebo Flemister got in late and looks to have some quickness. They may have to just from a quickness standpoint. Yeah. If Jafar's not in, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So we'll see where they go with that. Um, Nick, twenty fourteen. What adjustments did the defense make, personnel or scheme, after Louisville's first two drives? I don't think it was a personnel. Adjustment per se. There was less man, right? There, there was less man. That yes, they realized that that wasn't gonna. I don't blame them for trying them for trying man. That that should have cut down on the eye discipline situation and and all the misdirection, but it didn't at all. I mean, it didn't at all. There were people looking. Uh, Notre Dame's two All American potential defensive ends stopped jumping off sides. That helped. Yeah. Because I'm not sure Louisville scores either on either of those drives. Oosukoromoa missed a sack. I mean, that, which that, will happen though. I it, mean, it, it, it will. But I mean, when you yeah. why did they score two touchdowns? Right. right? You know, they had eighty-eight yard drive, seventy-five yard drive. That was the the lead of my defensive part of the tail of the tape. That there were missed opportunities, and yeah. here these are all the missed opportunities. That's why they gave up two touchdowns. And and again, you know, eye discipline and the speed of what they were running. Notre Dame wasn't the only team in the country that struggled in the first game, were they? No, but it was the only one we attended and wrote a lot about. So there was, uh, <laughs> this is true. I, now, to be fair, some teams played very well. That can happen Absolutely. too. Absolutely. Right? There are five teams that I thought played really well, and they're exactly the five teams that I are at the top of the heap of the sport. Same as it ever was. NDFB, what are some more serious red flags and concerns going forward? Probably won't be able to clean them up and just have to live with? Question mark. Well, I think... Um, I mean, I, there are no easy answers at linebacker, and I don't know how how will, how can there be? How will there be at any unless somebody s- suddenly Drew White stepped forward and took the job? He unless definitely somebody, did. Yeah, he, he definitely did. did. He did. But the other spot, and then rotating in for Drew White because he can't play seventy five plays either. Right. He will always come. He'll come out on third down. I mean, well, not on third down, but on in passing situations. Right. We should run down this. We don't think Simon, and this is what the coaching staff said, why he moved three times, is as physical as we thought he was going to be, right? Correct. And Jordan Jemar Heath just doesn't show up enough, right? Well, also he was, true. 
Yeah, so that's, that's why I mean, Bilal's simply, still in. Right, that's simply true. And I, I'm surprised that Jim Markeith hasn't. His lack of background at linebacker is more significant than we anticipated. You, under, you can understand it initially. Sure, last he year made completely. The move. Yeah. Wearing new weight last year, too. Right. He wasn't used to. But, but now you would... Jack Lamb, They maybe they believe he's just better off not having to play 45 plays, well, like I mentioned, that, right? That that was, maybe that was, was what the, they believed, and they may to have to change it. it but that's, I, I think just a, an even swap there. If you gave Jack Lamb all of Jordan Jenmark's Heath snaps, he would have played 23 snaps. They can do that's that. That's not too much. No, no that would be good. Uh, but if, but are you still okay with Blau getting the rest of those? I, I think it goes back to... you. This is just the real in the what you have to live with. You have to live with the fact that they don't have a sort of capable, ready buck linebacker. Right, and they're not going to this year. No, and they're not going to have a breakaway guy like Dexter Williams. Although we didn't need to see the Louisville game to to understand that either. Uh, and until until they get a couple of their pass catchers back, they're that's the other red flag. There too. That's the other red flag for me. Um, the Aquar and Kareem not showing up is not. And Book, look, if Book's, if Book's not great, our conversations are going to be all different. So I'm just going to assume Book gets better. Uh, you need Komet back to be a differentiator. I don't know if Young can get back and be one because he's his whole ascent was truncated by what happened there. You know, he, he you need – is Kevin Austin going to play this year? Can they rely on Kevin Austin nowhere to go on third and seven? Right, I, I don't he's never done anything on a football field. His first game's going to be USC, probably. I know Bowling Green's game five, but okay, it's third and seven against USC. Is you relying on Austin to run the slant? They need if, some weapons if back. He, if he's available, which I don't think he will, but he be. has to run the right slant. I is get, what I'm saying. I mean, it's I got gotcha, you, but you got to stick him out there and see if he does. Yeah, no, I agree. But then he's got to make it. Book's got to trust it. It's they need some weapons back. That would be my red flag right now. I got gotcha. you. Uh, at Indy Irish fan eighty eight, getting back to Kyle Hamilton. What can Notre Dame do to get Kyle Hamilton on the field more? Uh, like just let him get older and more experience. He played twenty six snaps, which I think was probably about what I think you would have thought, right? I mean, roughly a third of the game. I, I would have. I I mean, that should expand. It was just the first yeah. game. Twenty six snaps yeah. is a good number. I, they're they're giving him an opportunity by him replacing either Elliot or, or Gilman. And then the dime. He's involved and in the dime. nickel and dime. I don't think you need to worry about Kyle Hamilton being on the field often enough. I, they have two really, really good safeties, and they are finding ways to get Hamilton on the field. It's certainly a pretty darn productive 26 snaps. If Clark Lee could find a way to get all five of them, the five defensive backs on the field more, that would be a differentiator for me. I don't know how you do it. Well, we just talked about how you do it. And right. It was amateurish. That but. was something you needed to address, like take on in August. Yeah. Like, yeah, maybe this is worth a shot. I, and I understand why they didn't do that because they had enough. Like, is Drew White going to be ready? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. You know, as Marvelo was playing Mike when training camp started, so kind of hard to think of that setup. Uh, you have to get something reasonable done first before you get exotic, right? At Greg2126, we all know Ian Book has sublimitations, but things like comfort in the pocket are coachable and can be improved. Given that given that he isn't where he needs to be and how the season has started, is it too late for that area to markedly improve? I would agree it's coachable, but ultimately it comes down to Ian Book being able to see it and react correctly. Is it 
is it too late in that area for market improvement? I don't think so at all. I, I think that to me, that's, that's one of those things as an athlete, there's a day where it all clicks. And yeah. that, that to, not in every aspect, because if you don't see it, like we're talking about Brandon Wimbush and, you know, and Asmar Blau, you don't see it, you don't see it. I got to believe that Ian Book's capable of seeing that and improving in that area. What do you guys think? I think that he, I think we've seen him be better than he was on Monday in that area. So, yeah, I think he can improve in that area because he's already done it at times. I think I'm surprised we're talking about this after the Louisville game. Aren't you? Yes, but like after today, I kind of want to wipe that slate clean sure, and, sure. and you, you move on. And if he's better against New Mexico, then the Louisville thing doesn't matter. If it's the same against New Mexico. Well, then the score prediction changes in the next week. <laughs> I don't expect it to be the same against New Mexico. I don't. I really don't. I really don't. I really don't. I'm just being fair to the situation. We did just did not think we'd be talking about this. Yes, that's correct. At Dan underscore Brian twenty one. How open was the slot receiver on Monday? There was before I finished this. I can remember three times thinking no one's covering the slot receiver, but I'll keep going here. <laughs> it looked like Book missed a ton of opportunities to quickly get Lawrence Keys the ball for easy yards. I mean, a ton might be yeah, overstating, there but there were some. <laughs> yeah. There definitely were times when he was wide open. So I. Yeah, I Lawrence Keyes was part of the solution. That, that's kind of how I would describe his his effort on Monday. I think it. I think the interesting thing is that if that if Fink is playing his normal position, he's finding him. Oh yeah, because Book's looking for him. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, he needs to look for Keyes too because yeah, you got a lot of mixed Keys is well, and and I mean yeah, I know you're supposed to find you're supposed to find the open receiver. It doesn't matter who it is, but I think there's one thing that Lawrence Keyes has shown. Last August in this preseason, he gets open. And when we go to a practice, he's open. He's catching passes. He gets open. Now, it was his first game, so maybe he wasn't getting as maybe open. Maybe his as head he... wasn't coming around yeah, as right. supposed exactly. to. We don't know that. I mean, we saw, we saw veterans struggling with game one, so certainly a first-time player could have struggled with that as well. But I, I, don't, I don't think getting open, per se, was, was the problem. Uh, in Ian Book's decision-making the other night. At Joe Dunn, D.C., might stand for defensive coordinator, what do you make of the inability to convert on third and short? The offensive line looked great for parts of the game, but poor in key short-yarding situations. Probably, we, we already yeah. kind of addressed this. There's some decision-making with the quarterback. Um, you know, if you're outnumbered in the box, you're outnumbered in the box. Uh, but you also would, you know, I'd, you'd certainly like, you, sh- you certainly should feel like you can run behind Banks and Eichenberg. Yeah, I think when I, I would agree with that. When Tony Jones has to change directions in the backfield, it's never going to be a good run for him. He's a, he his he made some nice cuts at the second level, mm-hmm. but I think he needs to kind of once he turns horizontally in the or, uh, yeah horizontally in the backfield, it doesn't go well for him traditionally. Yeah, it's it's a mix, but you know the offensive line I thought was pretty low on the list of reasons they weren't converting on third and short. As it should be that that was a that was a defensive front that they should have. They'll see better ones. Pr- they'll see a lot better ones, and we knew it would be improved, but they'll obviously see better ones. And we finish with a question from O'Mullen, and it is simply: Are we overreacting? Well, based on the uh, Brian Kelly openers formula, no. I mean, because n- <laughs> for the last nine years, you've pretty much known everything that you needed to know after week one, so. I'd say you're not overreacting. That um, 
this team still could be very good, but they're going to have to change some trend lines with the veterans, which Ryan Kelly went right to it after the game that, you know, without naming Okwara, Kareem, Book, um, Bilal, they need some older players to just be a lot better than they were. And I, that that's a weird thing for week one. So maybe that's why this will be mm-hmm. the exception to the pretty hard and fast rule that the opener sets the tone for the season. But um, you, you just need, you need Ian Book to be a damn game changer, which is what Chip Long told me he needed to be before the season started. And you need Cole Komet back and Michael Young back. I'm not sure you're getting Young healthy back. But I think I underestimated the Young impact of things. Fink playing X is not the same as Fink playing Z. Young was, Young was really, really good in camp. Cole Komet... He's a tough guy to cover, man. You just put those guys out there. It's different, right? No, and I, lo- I love that just uh, something from today's writing, the notion of, you know, we've talked a lot about running backs in the slot. How about Komet and Tremble in the slot on occasion, situationally? How open is Tremble if Komet's on the field? That's yeah, the other that, thing. That's a, that, that is definitely a, a matchup problem. Are we overreacting? In, in general, we probably are because it's the first game of the year. Are we overreacting to book? I think... I don't. I mean, I think we all expected him to be better in the first game. I think yeah, that's I, typical. We were probably, in the grand scheme of things, overreacting to books. First yeah, game. I, it, I, it depends on what the reaction is. If the reaction is that book stinks, then yes, that's an overreaction. Is the reaction that book hadn't taken the steps that he needed to take to go from good to great? I don't think that's an overreaction. So it just the reaction question is the same as the overrated, underrated. Well, what are you rating? Like, what's what's the rating are you giving? I, it gets back to, did Notre Dame look like a playoff team? The answer would be no, but you can make the playoff without looking like a playoff team 12 straight weeks. You certainly can make the playoffs without looking like a playoff team in week one. That happens, yes. Notre Dame looked that like a playoff thing. team week one last year. Just saying. <laughs> For a half. That was a fun opener last year. Remember that? And yeah. Fun time talking about the game and everything. <laughs> People running around. Jalen Smith's hugging Manti. You don't <laughs> see any of that in this game. Nope. <laughs> All right. Cheerleaders getting hit. Because of our unusual schedule this week, this will be the only podcast of the week, but we will return on Monday, September 9th, and we will be previewing New Mexico. After Brian Kelly? Is that the tentative? Yeah. Our schedule is definitely changing. My Mondays are about to become hell uh, with the tail of the tape before Brian Kelly's press conference, which used to be on Tuesday, followed by uh, our podcast. But we got to do it. We can't push. We can't be talking about New Mexico or the previous game 72 hours later. So that'll be our schedule. And we'll be back on Monday to start talking about Nording versus New Mexico and probably the quarterback and linebacker positions as well. Thanks for joining us. It's time to start planning your trip to Notre Dame. Rent Like a Champion is South Bend's largest vacation rental company with over 1,000 weekend home rentals available close to Notre Dame Stadium. Head to rentlikeachampion.com slash illustrated to get $100 off your booking when you use the promo code IRISH2019. That's rentlikeachampion.com slash illustrated promo code IRISH2019.